0: Happy Tuesday, everyone. Welcome into your Tuesday edition of Final Whistle. I'm riding solo today. It's your host, Blaine Spencer. We're going to be talking about the franchise tech deadline day today. We're going to be talking about the massive deal that unfolded last night with Dak Prescott, getting that deal done with the Dallas Cowboys, making $40 million a year, approximately. We'll break that down for you. And then we're going to look at some of the conference tournaments that are going to be starting up this week in the NCAA tournament, as well as given a final reaction about the all-star weekend that took took place in the NBA. But let's jump right in with the news of the day. That was last night, Dak Prescott. Four years, $160 million contract, $126 million of that money is guaranteed. Remember, the franchise tag had to be done today at some point if this deal didn't get done. Dak Prescott now has the highest signing bonus In NFL history, at 66 million, which is just one million more than Russell Wilson's 65 million, and he's also due a record 75 million dollars due in the first year of this contract. It's gonna for the first three years, it's gonna average roughly 42 million a year. But how does this make a huge impact here? I asked everyone in a little bit of a poll to start this start yesterday. Is Dak Prescott worth $40 million? 87% of you said no. 13% said yes. He is now the second highest paid quarterback, only behind Patrick Mahomes. He's just a little bit ahead of Deshaun Watson. It's really interesting to see now how, how, is the, how are the Cowboys going to be able, able to build around him. Again, the offense is explosive. We know that. But the defense was the real problem. They could really not stop anyone. Can Dan Quinn turn it around as the new defensive coordinator? We'll see. Second year, Mike McCarthy. Kellen Moore returns. I don't think offensively they're going to have any issues. But how are you going to be able to bring in other players now with $40 million, $75 million this year being given away to Dak Prescott in a year when you know the cap is going down? We don't know what that cap number is. People are saying it's around going to be in between the 180 to $185 million range. That's a massive gap. $5 million is a couple veteran deals that you could get done at the minimum. So it's going to be really intriguing to see how that cap plays out. Does Jerry Jones know something? And I think another interesting thing was this release today, a year ago today, Cowboys reporter Todd Archer released what the contract was, Going into a year ago, he was offered 33 million and just over 100. He has now gotten himself seven more million dollars, roughly seven to nine million more million, and then over 20 more million of that money is guaranteed. I mean, kudos to Dak Prescott, great for him, but I just don't know. Looking at the Cowboys, how is this going to help them in the long term? I know the after the news broke. The Cowboys are now the heavy favorites to win the NFC East at roughly minus 110 basically right now. And then it's the Eagles, Washington, and the Giants are around plus 375 to plus 450 in that range. Is it that big of a gap? I don't think so. You have Washington who won the division last year. Yes, they were under 500. If all they really need is a quarterback, that defense is absolutely scary and legit. I don't think there's a problem there. The Giants, they're a team that plays hard. They were competitive. They had a chance going into the last week to win that division. Daniel Jones, can he limit the turnover bug? And Saquon Barkley coming off of that injury, is he going to be as explosive? If those answers are questions are answered, you I think the Giants will be right there. The Eagles have officially decided to build around Jalen Hurts now. That came out from owner Jeffrey Lurie the other day. What do you see there? It's going to be really interesting. The NFC East is still going to be very open. I don't think it's that large of a gap as Dallas has the favorites. Are they the favorites? I would put them there at the moment. Yeah, because you have all the firepower all over the field. But can they score enough? Are they going to be having to score 38 to 40 points like they had to when Dak was playing just to potentially make a comeback? Because they were very slow to start off games. But and, and then they would end up having to try and make these crazy comebacks and they did make a couple of them and they fell short a couple of times, which was why Dak was leading the NFL in passing through those first four to five games because they were throwing the ball all over the yard because of how far they were behind and the defense was not stopping anybody with a 20-foot pole. They couldn't stop anything. It was crazy. So it's going to be really interesting to see how those things unfold, but Dak Prescott this is a huge win for the players because now you're starting to see just like how in the NBA, the NFL players are starting to get their way a little bit more and say, this is our league. We get to make these decisions here and you guys need to respect our decisions. And we're going to make those final decisions and get what we want so we can be able to be a successful team. So again, kudos to Dak Prescott. They des- he deserved the money. Did I think they overpaid for him a little bit? Yes. Because I- he only played five games. Is he going to be able to come off of that ankle like we think? We don't know. But kudos to the – this is a big win for the NFL players. Massive wins suggesting that they can get what they want. So let's jump around some other news that's been breaking recently – regarding franchise tags, et cetera. Chris Godwin, this broke roughly half hour ago as we're recording this. Chris Godwin has been replaced has been given the tag by the Tampa Bay Bucks. I Godwin he came went out on the Pat Mac free show a couple weeks ago and said it, he'd be okay content taking the tag, even though he would prefer a long term deal. So I think he will most likely sign it. They're gonna work on a deal while he's on under the tag, of course. But that also means Shaq Barrett is not going to be under the tag. I know the Hampeh has been work, trying to work on a deal for him. He's going to be entering free agency. It's going to be really interesting to see if they're going to be able to bring him back. I would not be surprised if they don't. I would, be, I would be more surprised if they don't, excuse me. It's going to be so we will see in that regard. Other news regarding the franchise tag, Marcus May of the Jets got the tag. Um, there was also, I'm trying to think, pull it up here, excuse me. Here we go. Chris Godwin was under the tag. Taylor Moten of the Carolina Pat Panthers. He will be getting the tag offensive tackle. He's going to be making around 13 and a million to $14 million. Also a huge piece on that offensive line. Probably easily their best offensive lineman in Carolina. Much needed to get him under the tag. So I think uh, another news, Bud Dupree of Pittsburgh, he played under the tag last year. He is not going to be in Texas. He's going to be entering free agency. I've also heard that they're going to be trying to bring him back. It looks like Pittsburgh's going to be, with the renegotiation of Big Ben's deal, that they're going to have enough money to be able to hopefully give Dupree a, a, a two to three year deal to keep him in Pittsburgh. Because you put him opposite of T.J. Watt, and they were absolutely phenomenal as pass rushers, making that Pittsburgh defense just as vaunted as ever with Minka Fitzpatrick on that on the back end. So. Those are some news around the NFL, but again, the major news that broke Dak Prescott, four years, 160 mil, 126 guaranteed, 75 million he's going to make in year one, absolutely absurd numbers. And I think people need to understand that, again, win for the players, the players are starting to get what they want. going to be really interesting to see how uh, strapped the Cowboys are going to be Uh, with the cap. So let's jump now. We'll jump to all-star weekend here in the NBA. I've said this blatantly. I never thought it was the correct decision to have this all-star game. I know it was an opportunity to give the players to showcase themselves. I know, but the players were really against it. And Adam Silver and the NBA really pushed forward with it and it was held this past Sunday. What was my initial reaction? I think it actually went quite well in in all retrospect. I mean, you did have a major hiccup issue with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid being unable to participate because of their barber testing positive for COVID and due to contact tracing, et cetera, they were withheld. So luckily, everyone else came back negative on their testing that were participating in the event. I think the event really went well with no real issues. Steph Curry won the three-point contest, really made a little bit of a flare out of that, having to hit the final shot to beat out Mike Conley of the Utah Jazz. And it was Steph's to lose. It wasn't – I mean, the competition wasn't really close. Dame didn't participate. So three-point contest went well. I think that was really energetic. It gave the players an opportunity. And Steph looked, like, very competitive once it started. You could see his reaction after he hit that final shot to win that he was very pleased and ecstatic about winning, hitting it and being the clutch performer that he is. Then, all-skills challenge, Demonte Sabonis took down Nikola Vucevic of Orlando. I think for that, you've really seen in, the, in that skills challenge with the bigs now being able to participate, that the bigs have really started to dominate the event. You had Sabonis and Vucevic, they both didn't get buys in, this, in the event. And they rallied, went right past through everyone, most of them guards, Chris Paul, uh, Luka Doncic, list goes on. I think the, and we all know that the NBA has transitioned to a skilled big. And I think the taco, the skills challenge has really started to place emphasis on that, that these bigs can do it all. They can stretch out, be able to shoot the three point jump shot, as well being able to pass in, uh, into the interior or to the outside. They have great court vision, court awareness. So again, that was also solid. The dunk contest during halftime, I thought it went. I thought it was okay. I mean, I, I didn't think the dunks were out of this world. Like, Anthony Simons took home the championship. I think really Cassius Stanley got disrespected in the dunk contest. I think he had the best dunk out of everyone, and they started giving him eights to start off. And I think some of the issues with the dunks now is that. Like, Zach, some of these were doing – some of them were impersonations. Anthony Simons did a Tracy McGrady impression. It did not look as good as the original. Obi Toppin did a bounce between the legs reverse tomahawk. Zach Levine did that in the layup line a couple weeks ago. So I think people are justified in seeing these other players that have won the dunk contest or been really competitive in the dunk contest and great players outperforming those dunks. So when you're trying to impersonate them, they need to be absolutely sensational or 10 times better than the original to get the score that they deserve. I think really something was Anthony Simons almost trying to kiss the rim. That was an outstanding dunk, but he, he did not kiss the rim. It did showcase that he could have kissed it if he wanted to. I think that's why he ended up still winning because the whole was him to protect his face. He didn't want to have some busted teeth while he's trying to kiss the rim on a dunk which was understandable, of course. So I think that was solid. I think going into the all-star game itself, Giannis Antetokounmpo went 16 of 16 from the field. I mean, defense is absolutely optional in the all-star game. You know, these guys don't want to get hurt, but he did hit a couple step-back threes. So 16 of 16 from the field for Giannis, absolutely phenomenal. Steph Curry and Dame were pulling from half court at the end of the second quarter, both of them knocking it down. And LeBron James, who has been the captain now since they've gone to this new format of captains, he's been the captain for four years. He is 4-0. He now has the second longest win streak in the All-Star game as as the Eastern Conference in the 80s had a five-game win streak. And he now is in second with four. The All-Star game wasn't really close. Again, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid couldn't play for Team Durant, so that really hindered their ability. But... The game really wasn't really in question. The team LeBron's team was absolutely stacked. LeBron, the GM, is sensational. I mean, he won the championship last year getting Anthony Davis. Sorry, Rob he, he was the, He's the GM of the Los Angeles Lakers. He brought in Schroeder this year. He's brought in a lot of different pieces to see if they can really unfold. It's all going to be a potential of them with Anthony Davis. Is he going to be able to return? I think he will. It's going to be really questionable to see they're gonna to have to really limit his ability limit him until the playoffs and then really just give it a shot and see if he's fully healthy but all-star weekend again I was totally against it after looking at it I think it went well in all due respect but I still think it shouldn't have happened if you were seeing clips that were happening around the city of Atlanta the city looked completely open in my opinion during all-star weekend there were people were out there partying all around I know the players weren't of course but still every the, the city of Atlanta did not look like there where we were in a we're still in a pandemic. We're not out of the woods yet but still all kudos to the NBA they pulled it off. I think the players will still be a little, will not express this that they were still frustrated that they couldn't really be with their family for the entire break by having to go to Atlanta but still, NBA still was able to pull it off and and it it happens money, money controls the bit controls the business and the world. So it was understandable for why it took place. Do I agree with it? Absolutely not. Lastly, we're going to, let's take a look at some of the big NCAA tournaments that are going to be taking place. Conference tournaments that are taking place. So ACC opens up today. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this takes place. First round games, we're going to have Pittsburgh, Miami, Boston College versus Duke, and it's going to be Wake Forest versus Notre Dame. Those are the first three. Then the rest, how the bracket unfolds, winners, et cetera, et cetera, go to here. I think for me, again, the title is going to be, I believe it's Saturday off the top of my head. Right now, you have to make, you have to ensure that I would have to put Virginia as the front runner. They're starting to really figure things out as a team. Florida State really had a nasty hiccup losing to Notre Dame this past weekend. I don't know if that was just a fluke or if they really just showcased their abilities sometimes that, that teams can really, teams can, the, the inconsistency that Florida State has been showcased in the past couple weeks. Duke. They're on the bubble. I think they're pretty much now off the bubble. You really have to go win the whole thing now. So it's going to be really intriguing to see how that unfolds in the ACC. Big East tournament. Uh, we got a couple teams on the bubble. St. John's has won a couple in a row now, beat Seton Hall this past weekend. They've moved themselves now, on, according to Joe Lenardi, they're next, the second four out, or next four out, not first four out. The next four out. They got a chance. They're going to be playing Seton Hall again. Seton Hall has a chance to redeem that loss. Then you're probably going to be playing a Villanova team again without Colin Gillespie there. They just do not look like the same team. The team is completely different. They could easily lose their, their first round game against potential the eight, nine game. I think it's either between Georgetown and Marquette. Yes. So you can easily see that happening. I think it's going to be really intriguing to see how that unfolds. Big East tournament right now, I would have to put, and also for Creighton, Greg McDermott was already uh, by Creighton. His suspension was lifted already. He's going to be coaching the Big East tournament, coaching them in the NCAA tournament. They did say it's going to look like they're going to re again, reassess after the year, but Greg McDermott will be allowed to coach for the rest of this season. So for me, I think out of this, my favorite is UConn. James Booknight, since his return from his injury, UConn's been pretty much unstoppable. They've only lost once, and they've pretty much handled every every opponent they face. So I'd like UConn here to be the Big East champions. And if UConn somehow is rolling like they are, and if they win the Big East, they are a real scary team and a real threat to be a dark horse underdog to make a run in the ncaa tournament so now we're going to jump to the next one big 12 big 12 tournament looks like this you have baylor as the one kansas two texas texas is the three west virginia the four i think here it's baylor and nothing i think baylor has really found themselves after that loss to kansas i know they really struggled after coming off of the COVID break, I mean, three weeks off, what do you expect? You're not going to – it's going to take you two to three games to really find your groove again. And they found that beating Texas Tech, beating West Virginia, beating Oklahoma State, like it's not like they they were beating three top 25 teams after that loss to Kansas, and Baylor's really started to find their groove. I think Jared Butler is going to take that disrespect of not winning Big 12 Player of the Year with Kate Cunningham, taking that title, and he's going to play on a different level. Baylor's to lose. I know they've already locked up a one seed regardless if they win or win the tournament or not, but still I really it's Baylor's tournament to lose and I think they will get the job done. The last tournament we're going to talk about here is the SEC. actually no, we'll go into the big Ten first, excuse me. So the Big Ten tournament, I think this is the definitely the most open. Especially after Michigan again lost this past weekend. Michigan State, congratulations. You are, played yourself into the tournament, beating Michigan at home after them blowing you out during the midweek in Ann Arbor, and you host them in East Lansing and you get the job done. The seating is this Michigan, the one, Illinois, the two, Iowa, the three, Ohio State, the five, Purdue, the four. I think you're really going to have to see Michigan state all of you They have to really do. They play Maryland in the first round. You beat Maryland. You've locked yourself up Maryland. Now you have to pretty much win against Michigan state. Cause you've lost and back-to-back really bad games to a Northwestern and Penn state. And you've put yourself right back outside of the bubble. You now have to probably beat Michigan state and potentially beat Michigan now to play yourself back into the tournament gonna be really interesting to see how if the terrapins can rally after what their recent struggles in the last couple weeks If i'm going to to pick a team here i the illini right now are, are probably my pick as the two seed right now they're going to be one of the one seeds if they probably get to the final if you play michigan what they're both going to be on the one line but i think illinois is my favorite they've beaten michigan they've beaten iowa they've beaten ohio state I mean the Michigan Ohio State they those first two wins against them was without Iow Disonmu and then Io came back and really took them and carried them this past weekend against Ohio State in Columbus. So Illinois, Illinois has really found their found their groove and they're going to be a real scary team. So I like Illinois. I really do love them for the NCAA tournament as well. And lastly, final major tournament let's look at the SEC you got Alabama Arkansas the two LSU the three Tennessee the four for here I like the Razorbacks Arkansas has really found themselves be Alabama a couple weeks ago pretty handily in that second half it was in Fayetteville but still Arkansas found their groove Alabama the first time they've won the championship regular season in a long time so again you're going to see that Kentucky uh, you're the 8 seed you got to win the whole thing to get in so that plain simple. Uh, for Missouri you're you're still kind of you might be on the 10-11 line but you need to win your first round game against Georgia. I think that's they'll be playing Georgia. But still you gotta, Missouri will have to win their first round game to solidify their position into the tournament. So it's going to be really interesting to see As you mentioned, as I said, the SEC, I have Arkansas, Big East, I've got UConn, Big 10, I got Illinois, Big 12, I got Butler, ACC, I have Virginia. So it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, as we get get into another podcast this week on Friday, we'll, we'll know a little bit more and hopefully my picks will still be in, but those are my picks. So again, ACC, Virginia, Big 12, Baylor, Big East, UConn, Big 10, Illinois, and SEC, I have Arkansas. It's going to be really intriguing to see. Again, those are some of the biggest headlines that have taken place in the past week. Headlined mostly by Dak Prescott, getting his money. Will the Cowboys be able to have enough money now to, spend some, to make a run? We're only going to know until the cap hits. That's your edition of Final Whistle. As always, I'm Glenn Spencer. Thanks for tuning in.